What's up, everyone? Welcome to Cinematic Underdogs. I'm Paul Keelan. And I'm your other host, Jordan Puga. And today we are here with Matt from Anime Talk. I've been connecting with Matt over Twitter for the last uh, little bit, and I'm really excited to dig into your mind and explore your passion for this genre through a specific anime series on Netflix, Baki, but we'll get to that later. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks guys for having me on. Um, like you said, it's been a while since we tried to set this up. I'm glad that we were finally able to set up some time. I, I can't wait to uh, jump into it. I love jumping on shows and uh, hope that I'm an intricate part of your uh, of you guys' tandem today. So You're definitely an intricate part. We're not big anime uh, aficionados. Uh, we're kind of casuals. I know Paul's pretty new to like anime himself. Like I said on our last episode, I've been more into like the dbz more americanized popular stuff but uh to give our listeners kind of a background like your anime uh journey or whatnot where's where are some of your favorite animes like your top five? Oh man uh I, and it's crazy because I, I have a top five but i feel like it changes like every time somebody asks me this question <laughs> first first of all and my first and second always split back and forth but my first one i've settled on um has been yu yu hawk show i don't know it's definitely my favorite hands down it's one of the ones i, I constantly find myself going back and watching so that one, it's it also goes by. I think there was another. There was another. It was like Spirit. Like it's Yu Yu Hawk Show, the Spirit Detective is what the the show is called. But um, that's probably my favorite show that I've been watching. The one that goes back and forth with that one is Cowboy Bebop. Obviously, it's a it's a classic. Um, I would probably say Big O is in my top five just because it was one of the first. I'm a huge Mecha fan, and it was probably the first one of the first Mechas that I ever watched. Okay, so gotta love some Big O. Um, outside of that, um, some of the like sneakier ones that's kind of sliding into my list, it's gotta be Gundam Wing. Um, Gundam Wing was another one that I kind of, I started watching and I really fell in love with. Outside of that, I would say the fifth one kind of comes and goes, but I guess right now it'd probably be, probably JoJo's, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I know a lot of people like, man, I can't get past the posing and all like the, the rippled muscles and how big they all are. And it's the, the, you know, just the absolute craziness that is, but I'm like, it's called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for a reason, guys. Like it has to be bizarre. It has to be crazy over the top. So I'd probably round it out with probably JoJo's because I'm current on that one. And I think there's like eight seasons into that show. So um, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm heavily invested into it. Nice. That thought- covers a good spectrum of the genre there. Like you mentioned like Gundam. I only know about Gundam because I'm a, I'm a toy collector and those toys and the models for Gundam look so fucking cool. Like I'll oh, yeah. buy them without even knowing anything about the show you know, technical looking and they have such cool, like they're, they're sexy. That's this great, like sex appeal to them. Not in the physical yeah. sense, but. <laughs> yeah, no, they're cool. They're, they're cool. I got, I have two of them. I have like two smaller ones that I, that I built. They're up in my little toy, uh, oh, my nice. little toy chest or I guess cabinet or whatever. So, but yeah, they are pretty cool. It's funny that you mentioned that Jojo show, Jojo's big adventure as like all flexing with big muscles, because I think half of Baki is basically oh, okay. like ultra muscular <laughs> testosterone Latin dudes, just like flexing. Um, yeah. Like okay. body humor and like body like grotesquery and stuff going on as well. Like B- Baki is dope with the, with the body metaphors, man. Before we jump into Baki too much, I want to know what what really drew you into anime uh, as a genre in the first place, and like when did you first get into it? Like, what was your gateway drug, for example? Um, so that's an interesting question um, because it has a couple of different answers. Uh, so like. 
what really drew me into anime just in general was something that most people, and, I, and this is something that I talk about on my show is, you know, I tell people all the time, like my show is to help kind of undo the stereotypes and the stigmas that come around with anime when it comes to anime. Um, but one of the things that really drew me to anime in the first place was the, the amount of character development and just plots that, you know, the, the plots that come out in some of these shows, like it's crazy to be able to watch something the same way that people can sit around and watch a general hospital or, you know, NCIS or whatever, like people get so wrapped up into these shows because they're like, oh, it's just so, you know, it's a it's a network, it's a universe that they build and I just feel like I'm part of it. I mean, the same thing happens in anime, you know, and a lot of people don't give it that credit and, you know, they, they build a universe for you to, you know, get sucked into and you fall in love with characters. Some of those characters die. You have the emotions and the feelings that come along with that. The music is amazing. Some of the animation styles are amazing. Like, it's just, it's, to me, it's just, it's one of those things that like, I feel like people just don't give enough of a chance to. And then when you do get into it, then people are like, oh, Oh, well, you're weird or you're the nerd or you're the geek that's over here watching this and it's like it's the same thing that you do the only yeah. difference is mine is animated you know what I mean you're still wrapped up in a doctor that doesn't exist I guarantee you if you go to this hospital none of these doctors work here guarantee you that's not a real doctor you know it's not a real hospital but yeah so that's so that's kind of what drew me into it just because like I said and and you're and when it comes to like something sci-fi like this you can get away with a lot of things in animation style that you can't really get away with you know in in the real world I guess you could say but um, as far as the show that kind of got me into it, so obviously I grew up, you know, like you said, uh, kind of watching through some, you know, about the Dragon Ball Z and like the first ones that you kind of got into. I was the same way, you know, of course, I would come home watching Dragon Ball Z, you know, watch some some different shows that were on. But the first show that actually drew me in was Bleach. Um, so it was the first show that I watched. I remember one night I was laying at, I was uh, fell asleep at one of my friends' house and I woke up and that was when like Toonami was running yeah. the late night uh, Adult Swim and or Toonami was running late nights <laughs> after Adult Swim. And I just remember seeing this orange haired character with this big old sword walking around and fighting demons. And I was like, this seems, you know, kind of interesting, but I didn't have any context behind it. Um, and so I talked to my friend's dad the next morning. And I was like, dude, I just randomly woke up last night and saw this show. Do you know about it? And he's like, what show is it? And I was like, well, I don't know. You know, so I'm explaining it to him. And he's like, yeah, okay, I don't know that show. And he was like, what episode was it? I was like, I don't know. So we're, he's going through the catalog. This is when you still had like the on demand or like, and he's like going through the, the episodes and he's like, does this look familiar? I was like, no, 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 no. So we keep going. And he's like, well, if it came on last night, let's just go to, you know, the tsunami thing or whatever. So we go to tsunami online. He's like, oh, dude, you're like at, you're like at episode 150. You jumped in like halfway through the show. You got to go back and start from the beginning. So literally we went back and it had an old school desktop. We went back. Nice. And this is before streaming services and everything. So we go back and we're watching like YouTube part one of three, episode one, like starting at the very beginning. Um, and then I eventually caught up and then we started watching it week to week together. And then before you knew it, it was like, we're 366 episodes in. And I was like, dude, I need more of this. And he was like, dude, let me take you up under my wing. Let's go. And, and from there, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of took oh. off. That's such a yeah. cool way of coming to it. Like you said, I think a lot of Americans come to anime that way, like you said, with particular Toonami and like particularly people, I don't know about you, uh, were you into American cartoons before you got into anime? Yeah, huge offense. Like I, I used to, I remember those Saturday morning cartoons were like the best things that, that you could ever give, give me, man. 
Yeah, but while we're on set, where are some of your favorite Saturday morning cartoons to give our readers or our listeners some context? I used to love, so I mean, obviously the Pokemons, your Digimons. Okay. Uh, but, then, but then I like the more like obscured ones. So like your Shaman Kings, your Bobo, uh, Bobo, Bo was another one I really liked. Ultimate Muscle was another one I really liked. But I know there's been like, you know, a couple ones that I, I just remember waking up, you know, like you said, Saturday mornings on uh, either JetX or either JetX or, you know, Fox or something like that and watching yeah. those watching those shows. So um, but actually one one that's actually I'm loving now. I didn't watch it growing up, but um, a really good Western one. If, if anyone and I've been promoting this one, I, you would almost think that Netflix is, you know, going to going to sponsor me because I've been talking about it so much. But um, uh, Castlevania, oh yeah, has been absolutely amazing. Hell like yeah. I have been, I have been preaching a good word of, of Castlevania every show that I get yes. an opportunity to jump on because I think that Netflix has finally t- hit a market. That and like the Blood of Zeus, the ones that they're putting out, these shows are have been amazing. So I think that the Western, I think that the Western front is is is. Coming up, I don't think that we can compare just yet because obviously they've been doing this for years, but they're having they're, they're starting off with some really good footholds as well as Baki and stuff like that. So they're they're coming up with some good stuff. So definitely, I back you with that. I'm a huge Castlevania fan, particularly of I mean of the video game and of the Netflix series. Like you said, it is yeah. high class, like animation, great storytelling, very captivating. Um, yeah. I mean, you get like you said for me, that's one of the reasons I keep my Netflix subscription is Castlevania. And yeah. It's, yeah, like you just like I said, it's a great entry point for American audiences into that style of animation. Nice. Jordan, what about you in Saturday morning cartoons? I know for me, it's mainly X-Men is the first thing that sure. comes to my mind. Oh, yeah. Me, me and Paul used to line up for soccer when they do the shin guard checks. So we'd be talking about the X-Men episode where we talk about <laughs> we record them with our VCRs and be like, we get home, man. We got to watch X-Men. Spider-Man was a big one for me. Batman, the animated series was a huge one for me. I oh, took yeah. Batman. That was like the gospel of them. Although I will say I'll go on record. X-Men, the animated series is probably my favorite one of them all. But I mean, yeah. Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters were like the precursors of those for me. And then He-Man was a big one as well. Power Rangers too, I got to say, was the live action after school. And that was, I was a big fan of, I was definitely at the target audience for, for uh, Power Rangers. I bought everything Power Rangers and that came out. Oh yeah, same. I was, I, I, you couldn't tell me anything. I just knew, I told everybody I was Tommy. Like every time, everywhere that I would go. And like, they're like, they're like, but I mean, you're, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not Zach. Stop trying to make me Zach. I, I am Tommy, damn it. I am the Green Ranger. And I will mess this whole, I will mess up Angel Grove if I need to. Cause like people don't understand if you never watched the OG Power Rangers, mm-hmm. like you would never understand that Tommy literally was about to destroy. He, he gave the Power Rangers five straight episodes of yep. Nothing but ass kickings. Like dude, he almost just, took over Angel Grove just by himself with a flute. It was him exactly. and a damn flute. Dude, just just to go back with me and Paul talking about. I was literally playing soccer games, waiting to get back home to see the conclusion of that. We were like, we gotta win this game to watch Power exactly. Rangers. I'm we gotta you, see man. what Tommy's gonna do. <laughs> My funny connection to Power Rangers is a bulk and skull. Is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, bulk and skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bullies, right? The, the bigger one, bulk, right? Mm-hmm. He he yeah. was the neighbor of my uncle, so I, like I met him a few times. Like I was like eight or nine, so I was like my little claim to fame at school for a little while. Was, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's such celebrities to you at that age too, right? And yeah. it's not even like my uncle like lived in like a really upscale neighborhood or anything. You know, he's basically just a middle class dude making a commute to Hollywood. <laughs> it was really interesting. Now as an adult, like seeing like how normal his lifestyle was yet he was just like iconic figure in my mind but yeah jordan definitely you mentioned all the bangers i mean he-man uh was another one right up there for me but uh what i loved about x-men was the the opening music right it's so amazing 
And what I do love about anime, probably the most, all of them, is like the Japanese bangers they have to both open and close these shows are so good. And so jumping into Baki, right? I mean, they're like, I don't even, Jordan, you're better at metal than me. What what area of metal is this? It's by a band called Grand Rodeo, and the song is called Beastful to open up the show. And how would you classify this, Jordan? Yeah, this is straight, like, they sometimes call it like J-metal is like the actual term for it, if I recall. But I mean, in terms of like guitar influence and stuff like that, very just like technical. It's not so much with the sweet picking on this one. It's very like tremolo scales and stuff like that. Like a lot of up and down picking, flashy and fast. I mean, it's, it's distinctly Japanese. You don't really find that in like American metal. American metal is more, you know, chuggy and like fast paced sections. But this is all like speed against speed against speed. Particular Baki, which I really like for the intro. It's like, you know, it's just like these like really quick like quadruplets in the beginning. And like I said, a lot of like hammer on. So it's a lot of just like, like, but again, the vocals though are the best part because they're not like really, at least in season one, because we get a different like song in season two which is still pretty cool it's a little more like electronic mixed with like metal really cool metal screams in the second i gotta say the second one has like this cool like metal screaming thing going on uh but the first one it's like this mix between like 80s metal in terms of like the vocalizing like really high-pitched kind of sound right but has that more like later 80s like thrash metal with anthrax and like that slayer-ish like speed to it but i mean they've taken it to the next level i gotta say like when you listen to how quick they play these intros it's always so impressive for uh, our audience it always reminds me more of like video game music uh the tempo to keep you pushing the buttons the right way right and that works so well with Baki because we'll get into like the way the fighting goes and like to me it's very stylized on like Street Fighter and Tekken and Mortal Kombat for sure but like has its own really cool aesthetic that they throw into it which we'll get into here but like the music really just punctuates it right away what was the band again? Grand Rodeo the names together and so yeah the song is peaceful and then the ending theme song is called Resolve and it was performed by Azusa Tadakoro yeah I I know Matt too you as well mentioned that that's one of your main polls to anime is like the music what do you think about the music to the show is it not your thing is it your thing and what are some of your favorite themes throughout all of the anime series you are coming for uh you're coming you're coming for me today and i feel like i'm on the, i'm on the uh on the hot seat here um but uh, <laughs> sorry about that i love the opportunity to jump on somebody else's show because that means i don't have to think on my own to your point um jordan i i think that they did a really good job the music a lot of these groups that do like the intros and these outros like they specifically seek some of these people out to just be like hey you we have a feel we have a, a thought process on what we want to kind of convey and how we want to kind of start this show off let's find the music and then we'll kind of build and kind of match the show like the the templates and everything like that behind it to make sure that it gives the feel that we want but like you said it kind of sucks you in because and i tell people this all the time when it comes to anime right it's like you have to give any show that you're watching i don't care if it's a good show i don't care if it's a bad show you have to give every show especially when it comes to anime you have to give it four to six episodes off rip like you have to give it that because if you go into it one episode you're probably going to be upset because you're going to be like well i don't understand this well because the second episode this was a precursor to the show so the second episode kind of comes back and kind of draws you in the first episode is just to give you everything because they know that the only thing the only way that i can keep you here if you're not a huge anime fan is i have to give you everything up front and then i have to spend the time to unravel and kind of get you back to base zero to now build on the story so like you said i think that the music obviously popping in it it has to catch you at the very beginning so this one does catch me it's one of the ones that i really like uh that's why I've, i've i've been a huge advocate for baki as well i just did an episode on my black history month episode that i did where i talked about biscuit i know we're going to get into the show a little bit more later but yeah so i've I've drawn a lot of people out and i've had baki in a couple of fights i've had his dad in a couple of fights on my show so it's a huge show for me as far as some of my favorite openings obviously number one has to be my most probably one of the most iconic intros in anime and it has to be cowboy bebop go like at the very beginning the very first one that three 
two, one, let's go. Like it's probably one of like the most, it's a very like jazzy swing beat, like old school nostalgic feel. It's, it gives very much like that smoker's lounge vibe. Like you're sitting in the back of a red velvet area on like one of those couches or like the little sofa and there's just somebody up on the stage just sitting there just uh-huh. swinging and just going. So it's that's definitely one of the ones I love. Silhouette from Naruto is probably another one that I really love. It's again, very much that J metal um, slash kind of like J metal meets like J pop. Um, very much vibe. So it kind of throws you right into it. And it's kind of very upbeat. And believe it or not, and I, I, I've joked about this before and I said it's not a joke, but I've, I've said this before, like on the end of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusader, I want to say, the outro is actually Freaking You by Jodeci. They actually use Freaking You by Jodeci. And I, and I, the funny part about it is because when I was watching this, I was over at my parents' house and I had just got to Stardust Crusaders and I the, the episode had just come off and I was like, Okay, you know, whatever. And I hear that song playing. And in my mind, I'm at my parents' house. So I'm putting two and two together. I'm like, my parents are in the other room listening to Jodeci while me as a grown man is sitting out here on the couch. Like, this is so awkward. Um, but so I paused it and I'm like, no, but the music stopped if I paused it. And sure enough, like they were using Free- uh, Freaking You by Jodeci as the outro. So I, I would say probably another one that I really love is Grand Blue. Uh, their opening song is, uh, is really dope. It's something that I when I'm preparing an episode, I actually put on, um, I have like two or three playlists that I keep in rotation that are like probably like three hours long that are just anime openings, anime openings and closings. So I just constantly have them going in the background while I'm, you know, kind of researching or, or preparing an episode. And Grand Blue's uh, OST was one of the ones that popped up on like two or three lists. And I was like, if the show intro is this good, I got to go watch the show. So a lot, of, a lot of shows that I watch are based off of finding them on one of those lists, listening to the song. And I'm like, man, this song is amazing. I need to go back and watch the anime. So those are just some of the ones that I like. And I guess it's some of the ones that I, I think are kind of important because music is important in anything. But especially when it comes to anime, I feel like music music more so tells a lot of the story, especially in the moment that they're in. So And like, that's a, such a good point. I mean, like you just explained so much like why anime music is such a crucial part of anime songs like American and why Americans have jingles and whatnot, but it's not a big part of, you know, the plot, the tone, you know, it's, it's a hook for kids. Like we said, like the X, but the thing behind the X-Men theme, like Paul mentioned earlier, right? Is that it's just, you know, it's a basic little like American hook. It's not that complex or anything, but like, like you mentioned, like with Baki, you know, it's, it's throwing everything at you. It's throwing the kitchen sink at you. Just like the show, like you mentioned, broke it down perfectly. Like the first episode, which I like about it. I gotta say, I love it. It breaks down like that, just, just the, like the fighting, everything, the stylistic, the ethos of fighting. Everything's like you said, thrown out to you, layered down the first way. But without that music, it doesn't hit, like doesn't land you in that like that driver's seat. Um, mm-hmm. and something American like uh, shows just don't do right. And like I think it it works to a great degree. And I'm, I'm seeing it more as I'm getting more into these animes, like because it makes you want to go to that next episode, particularly how it's a good hook because you'll want to listen to that song a couple times, right? And mm-hmm. like you said, it kind of guides you through, like you said, that required like four four or five viewings if that song is pretty good. So I think that's a great yeah. point to just like draw out there. Like it's such a crucial part of having that good song. It's interesting. Like you said, though, like that you're looking for songs to find animes. I find that I, I should try that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you both make great points of how important it is to, uh, get through the first like at least six or seven episodes and i was super disheartened because there's only like two reviews on this on ron tomatoes and i always like to look up reviews to try to get as much just like text around anything i watch um just to absorb different perspectives and so forth especially in an area where i'm a little bit more of a amateur 
And one of them was claiming like to be a, a review of the whole show. And clearly the person only watched the pilot episode. If only all of their evidence and details is from the first episode, it's very obvious that like they didn't go any farther than that. And it was a pretty long review. So shame on Decider for publishing that. I won't call it the, the individual, but I was really disappointed by that. But, but what was so odd to me is I actually think the pilot episode is, I think it's still my like favorite episode. I just love how we get the like five convicts ultra fighters from around the world it's like such a quintessential like beginning to an action movie like an american blockbuster action movie if i want to cut you out which action movies were you getting vibes from when you're watching that first episode or which american movies were you kind of like the going, a team okay for one uh for some reason i was getting a lot of tarantino vibes even though i can't really specify one it, there's like mm -hmm. a tarantino feel to it um how about you i was getting the heavy signs of the lambs like stylization but then like boom like pumping it up like in your face like we're using that that aesthetic. The other one I was thinking of, even just like Marvel Comics, the idea of just like the raft and like uh, that great episode of, uh, we're talking about X-Men, uh, the one where Wolverine and Omega, Omega Red get trapped in the submarine at the bottom of the Russian section with nukes. I love like the scene where like, what's his name, like Skaz or something like that. I'm gonna mess up the name, so please correct me out on the names of the characters. Um, but the bald dude who fucking swims like for like five minutes out of the fucking submarine to the top. Yeah, that was just like next level, almost like almost like like the the rock ask, you know what I mean? Like we're like Alcatraz stuff going on. Those are some of the vibes I was getting at with you. Uh you what about you, Matt? Here's the thing. I was watching it because I was feeling I'm a huge fighting like anime type person. Uh, so I, when I jumped into this one, this is one of those ones like I wasn't thinking about necessarily like an American movie or something like that reference. But for me, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, it's all the, the big names, all these big moving pieces that you're just kind of seeing that are all kind of like trying to figure out how they're about to come together. And then just to see, like like you said, how so many people were able to get away, how so many people were like, okay, well, you know what? I realize what's going on over here, but I don't really care about that anymore. I've got to go there. Like, this is where I need to be right now. Um, so for me, it was more of like, like I said, that first initial, like, I don't know how we're about to get here or how we get here, but I don't care. I just want to see everybody that I just saw right here, these five, six people. I want to see all of them show up at some arena and I want to see us just fight it all out. Like, that's what I want to see. Yep. That's the dynamic of five warriors coming to the I was like, this is like blood sport. This is like Mortal Kombat. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all that in there in the background. Right. And then yeah. like the idea of like the Kumite, like I love, like, just like you say, it's all that just kind of coming in there. So it kind of brings it. I was even saying how that weird, like Godzilla thing with the Kaijus, like just come to one mark. They don't know why. Yeah. Sensory overlord, like the best way. If you're like you said, if you're a fan of like fighting science fiction, like the combat genre. And then like to add, it's like each guy has their own distinct style. These guys are like, you know, the deadly ones. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be fighting the, the martial artists. Like I love the distinctions you get. Even like you said in the first episode uh, of these combat styles, when they hit the land was like the coolest part. Because everything's like, yeah. look how it's all up in the air. It does a great yeah. job of bringing in a lot of questions and not just giving you the answer. It lets the show like unfold it. And then it raises more questions, which actually lead the plot, which I, I appreciate as a viewer. Yeah. Like I felt like I was really tugged along with this one. Yeah. And they also have like a really fun history lesson, uh, which starts off like Baki thinks the guy's giving him like red bean jelly, which is like a very common type of candy. Kind of sweet. It's not really a candy, but uh, you buy it, like the like 7-Elevens in Japan and so forth. And uh, it turns out it's nitroglycerin, right? I love that mm -hmm. little brief history lesson and how he brings in synchronicity and quantum basically entanglement to give this like supernatural vibe to it. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Marvel movies, right? Marvel movies these days have like at least four distinct locations across the planet, right? On every continent, we were going to have like one plot line in the beginning of these films in the first act. And that was definitely the vibe I was getting from it. Red Notice last year kind of like went all over the place. The one with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, right? Just that mm -hmm. vibe of like 
you know, bringing five distinct characters and really quickly giving them all very detailed and specific signposts so we can remember who they are. Like my favorite is the poisonous guy, like the guy who like the master of uh, poisoning people. And he's like in the atrium. He was cool. And then the other one that I really liked was the guy who got um, hung and he like his tongue's literally like out of his mouth. And then he still survives like 10 minutes later. I don't even Blue know like how he... he looks like a ripped ass Santa Claus. He's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely badass. And all those escapes were awesome. I mean, the Hannibal Lecter vibes were for real on the on the guy. I believe that was the Alcatraz one or in the yeah. Russia submarine. He has to like take his cufflinks off and he was like, really? <laughs> and then he breaks. <laughs> Breaks down all the reasons why he should take his cufflinks off. Yep. And then he still gets just like killed in a second. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, brutal. It builds it really well with enough character development that like basically after the first episode, it's almost straight fighting for you know they set it up so that they could fight anywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> they don't even try to make too much of like equivocation for it they're just like basically it's a free-for-all everywhere you could you're just gonna you could fight at the park you could fight in your classroom whatever yeah which is fun it's cool like how it comes too. to that though right because the first episode is a good job of showing how like the, like i said the convict dudes come out ready to just fuck shit up like that's it they're going to fight and kill you and all the martial arts dudes have this strict code of like you only fight in the ring pretty much or in the dojo or under a rule set or in front of like an audience it's a great way of like just showing how one by one, like the, you know, the convicts or like the, the extra killer dudes, you know, just decimate the masters of each style, like from the wrestling dude to like a judo practitioner, right? And then we see the ones who quote unquote learn their lessons show up in the group of Bakis, right? The other practitioners who are like, right, want to get the revenge, right? It goes on to show they still didn't learn their lesson, right? Because the dudes just keep killing them around them. They keep getting these great fights that are so badass. They keep trading and getting where they can get the death blow, but then they leave them and they suffer consequences, right? It's one of those ones where it actually pulls you as an audience because you're like, just kill them already. Yeah, I learned your lesson, but it does such a good yeah. job in the first episode of why they never pull that trigger, right? If I just watched The Batman, right? It's something we never get with these movies where characters have codes and stuff like that. We just take them for granted, right? And we assume yeah. it's in there and we we know the text material. And I love the way it's 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 uh, like Paul said, they get these great history lessons behind the technique, right? Behind the story where it cuts into like this cool grainy, like film looking stuff goes black and white, right? And it gives you this great context that again, fills in the gap. It also becomes like, a, you know, like a plot device, right? It's going to come back later. Just like you mentioned Kill Bill, like the exploding five palm technique or whatever, right? It's just that traditional martial arts uh, storytelling still like so prevalent. It's, it's done well, right? It plays yeah. with those devices that we know you're expecting. And when it, you get it, right? It, it has that like cherry on top with like the hyper violence or some sort of twist, right? Very like Game of Thrones-esque, if you say, like you mentioned, yeah. like, a lot of characters you like, quote unquote, die or get hurt and come back, right? Is there a thing which I really <laughs> like? Yeah, it's very, I think the first episode, I can't give enough credit of like set, them setting up such a broad story arc that they're going with and a really strong ethos. Like that's one of the things I like about this is it's really like prevalent ethos. And like you mentioned, that it gets carried out between even like the side characters and it goes in different directions. And you don't get that with a lot of, you know, big budget movies or anything like that. Obviously, you hit a lot of talking points there. I think it's good to be able to do and good to be able to lay the foundation the right way, right? Because I think a lot of shows and a lot of movies and a lot of other, you know, things, and I, this is not just true in anime. I mean, there are a lot of shows that do it well, too. But from a consumer standpoint, most of the time, it's, and I always, I tell people, like, it's like the analogy, right, of eating dinner. Like, most people don't care about eating veg veggies per first. Most people just want to jump straight into the meat and potatoes. Like, they want to jump straight into the to the substance of the, of the show. But for those people who can understand and like look at it and just say hey you know what I'll eat this salad or I'll eat you know these green beans or whatever to start off with with the expectation that when the when the main course or like when when the, the the main meal like is here or like the main thing that I want is 
steal here on the plate, like it sets such a precedence because like there's there's one show that I'm watching now and that is uh, One Piece. So One Piece right now is officially season 13, episode 1013. This show has done such a good job and this show started back in like 1990, I want to say. it's And it's still going. Like it, they, they still come out weekly. So this show has set the precedence from the very beginning to basically build a crew of like seven people but through those seven to eight people it's taken thousands you know like hundreds of episodes to actually bring everybody together but because you know in the very beginning the main character's name is Luffy in the very beginning he has a very distinct goal and he goes around saying that he's going to be the person that is going to become the pirate king and he's going to have the best crew that the world has ever seen that he sets that in the very beginning of the episode and the very beginning of the show so when you watch the rest of the show when you start seeing new characters characters get introduced and other characters and how he relates, you're like, that's it. He's going to join his crew. He's going to join. And then even if it takes 10, 15 episodes down the road, it's just a simple fact that now, like, I know that I'm going to have to watch this. I'm just waiting for the moment that he comes back and he says, hey, let's drink some sake or let's do this or hey, I need you. And this person's like, you know what? I'm on your crew. I'm going to follow you to the end of the world and I'm not going to backstab you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm here because your goal is now my goal. And once you get that, then I'm like, all right, I can I can rest for another two, three hundred episodes until we find another one. I'm just happy that he finally got somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you do it the right way, if you set it up at the very beginning and say, hey, either I'm going to give you everything at the beginning and then unravel. Or if you say I'm starting you at the very bottom, but I have a very distinct and very specific goal as to what I'm going to be. And you give me progress through that throughout the show. Dude, you got me hooked. Like I need I need both of those things. Like I need one or the other, like character development entwined in there. But I got to have all of that. So, yeah. And I, I like that I haven't gotten to this point, but you could actually fill me in that like this show does take a very long time to get to like the maximum tournament when they all like fight in a tournament style mm-hmm. battle. And you could fill everyone in. Like I, I have not even been introduced to the Muhammad Ali or Muhammad Ali. I don't can't pronounce it, but there's that character. Right. And I read a yeah. lot about it. And so I think that's kind of like where we are now. I think the season four is coming out soon, right? But that's kind of where like season three ended. What I was reading that is like, it's like he's the main arch nemesis or rival to Baki, which sounds really interesting. Uh, Really quickly before I go way too forward in this as well. I just want to cue our listeners and do a little bit of housekeeping on on what we are talking about specifically because there's a few iterations of Baki, right? Uh, It's based on a manga and the first adaptation was actually back in 2001 and it was Baki the Grappler. So you could find that if you Google it. There's also Grappler Baki Maximum Tournament that came out the same year. And now there's another show called Baki Hanma, which I, yes, right? So there's like basically four different iterations of this. We're uh, solely focused on the 2018 Netflix show that's continuing to this day, but it's already in yeah. 2018. Just to clear that up for anyone listening. No, I said you just cleared it up for me because I was just watching it and as I started looking, I'm like, I hope I watched the right thing because on Netflix, every anime has like a manga and I'm like usually like has like four sub-series of like, you know, like uh, you mentioned how you came to your anime, Drew. I came into like Dragon Ball Z with like the one where Goku's brother shows up. So I didn't know anything about Saiyans or, or none of that stuff. I was just like, these guys have cool hair and cool suits. I want to watch this. Oh, so you jumped, so you jumped straight into Z. You didn't watch Dragon yeah. Ball starting yeah, off. I had to go back oh, and watch Dragon okay. Ball. At, I was kind of watching back at the same time where they play like an episode of one and like one of the other, you know, yeah. you can stay up late or whatever to catch the other one. But yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, Paul, I'm glad you cleared it up for me though. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so Matt, I'm curious, like, are you, are you caught up all the way until the present day or? Are you- Talking about for Baki? Yeah, for Baki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched, I've, I've watched, ba- was it Baki? 
Baki, Hanma, Baki. Then they had the tournament. Then I, the last one I want to say was Son of Ogre, <laughs> I want to say, which was finally actually being able to see his dad and actually being able to see like his his uh, his dad Yujiro in all of his in all of his splendor. So I'm current on it. I will say this, like at least from the first version of Baki, one of the main things is going to sound crazy because there's only one thing that I find very disturbing in this whole show. It, and it wasn't anything with the fighting. Like, I think the fighting was good. I think, I mean, it's crazy, crazy to say good when you're talking about people's arms being broken back and forth or people, yeah, you know, necks popping and all this other stuff and people dying. But the only thing that even remotely made me like uncomfortable was, um, and I don't know, I think Jordan, you said you made it, you're, ma- you're into season two, right? Yeah, just like, I think four or five episodes into season two. So then you, you probably already seen it. And, and I know for you, Paul, it may be a little bit of a spoiler, but the one thing that made me kind of uncomfortable was when Baki retired to his, I wouldn't say like a, like a, I guess a sex, a sex shed is what I would call it. But when he goes through the whole thing where he meets the girl, he, the girl that he likes and, and you know, his, his dad basically comes up to me. He's like, hey, Baki, the only way, he's like, the only way you're going to get stronger is if you have, if you finally, you know, become a man. And, and Baki's like, well, I am a man. And he's like, no, nah, you're not a man yet. Not until, you know, you become a man. And he goes into like this house and basically him and his girlfriend just like, basically have like sex for days upon days, like multiple times over and over again. And his dad is like oddly like shows up and is like sitting in the side of the, like the door or window or something, just watching. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I was like, this is kind of weird. But when he comes out, like everybody comes up to Baki and they're like, there's something about you now. Like there's, there's, there's this, there's this aura about you that you didn't have before. And Baki's back, Baki's dad is like, yeah. So basically at this point you can just get rid of her. Like you don't need her. Like after that happens, you don't need her anymore. And Baki's like, nah, I'm going to keep her around. But she's kind of like, I feel like I was used. And he's like, no, you're not used, but I we're not necessarily going to be together because I still got a fight, but I don't, I'm not throwing you to the side. Like, cause that's what Baki's dad basically did was Baki's dad was basically like, Hey, I'm done with your mom. Hey, I just needed a son. I got him. I don't really need you. Baki's more like, I'm like my dad in the sense that I don't necessarily need you, but I like you. So if you can stay around and watch me fight and be okay with this, like, Hey, you can stay around, you know, but it, I just thought that that was really oh, weird yeah. and kind of made me uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, I know that is a true statement though. I think that a lot of people don't, associate that like when you have you know sex for the first time like you do have an aura you have a you know people say you have a different smell about you you know you you just walk differently you talk a little bit differently so I think that that's true so I think that's something that was really cool that they kind of tied on and kind of hung their hat on but I just for me like I said it felt a little bit uncomfortable not because of it happening but just the fact that his dad's like watching from the corner is like yeah it's my boy you go ahead yeah pull her hair like I did your mom it's just a little bit weird here man you know I'm saying I get it I, I all for you know fathers being involved but i don't think that you need to be involved in everything dad I- glad you brought this one up because i just got to, i didn't get to the episode where apparently they go banging i got to the episode where like he walks in on where dad just shows up when uh what's her name Kazuya, but her name just shows up the first time to sleep in the same bed with him and baki's freaking okay. out right and i'm yeah. just cracking up because dad's in there right and he's like you know basically chirping in there like you say he tells him you know the only way you can yeah. be a man is you have lots of sex, right? And these yeah. girls just sitting there with them, right? And it's like it's the greatest Freudian moment because I'm sitting there cracking up. I was eating food and 
almost spit my food out. So I was like, I thought, I thought I was gonna be one of the fighters. I thought I was gonna be the cool dude. The elbow was gonna get him in the fight or something like that. But yeah. no, his dad coming to give some fatherly advice. You know, it was almost like American Pie, but without the pie, right? Yeah. Levy coming in to give some advice with, with Nadia in the room still, right? So I'm, 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 I'm yeah. excited to see it gets even more creepy. I was hoping Paul yeah. got that part because I was like, this is like just a psychoanalysis of this scene's got to be great. Like there needs to be some some written <laughs> literature. Some college student who likes anime needs to get on this paper. It's not the violence that this is disturbing. Like I'm pretty desensitized to it. I think I'm a giant Mortal Kombat fan, all this. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm like, these people are raising the bar for some stylized violence. But like you said, it's it's the undertones of like his weird relationship with, with this girl is always weird. Like you mentioned pretty much, she's just this weird object. And particularly in season two, it's just like, they just position her that way. They, they have that yeah. guy just shows up and drops it on the ball. Like get you women. You want women, I'll get you women, right? It's interesting. I'm interested to see where it goes because it's very uh, anticlimactic with the rest of the show. The rest of the show is pretty nuanced, pretty well balanced. When we get to her, it's all just like plot device, move to here. So it's like, just what you said is like, they set this show up to where it's so violent and you have a kid. He doesn't really want to fight. He just wants to fight his dad. Like, that's literally all it is. Like this, the show is basically that. It's like, you challenged me to fight you. I'm going to accept the challenge. Let's fight. But like Baki doesn't know how to be a child. He's never, he's never had that love. He's never never had that passion he's never had anything there that would like push him off that path there's never been since you guys are you know like you say kind of in his superheroes and stuff it always reminds me and always draws back to Deadpool when Colossus is sitting there talking to Deadpool and he's like what are you talking about and he's like one or two moments is all it takes to distinguish, you know, between a hero and a villain, save the good guy, you know, save the bad guy, whatever. Like it only, you know, it's one or two moments. But in Baki's life, like that hasn't been a thing. It's always been you're going to fight. That's what you're going to do because I fall, his dad, I mean, literally the man is nicknamed Ogre for a reason. He's like, nope, this is what it is. You're going to fight because I want to fight. But then when you see him in childlike situations, he can't think. When you first see him, he looks dumb. Like he looks like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's like, you know, drooling out of the side of his mouth. Or he's kind of like, ah, whatever, you know, like he's not talking right. But then like he sees this girl and it's like, well, that's the next step is even though you can't talk, well, go find this girl. And this girl is like, hey, I like you. And he's like, okay. You don't even know how to be a kid. You don't even know how to, you know, you don't know how to do any of these things, but you want to take on the world's strongest man. Cause that's essentially what his dad is, um, is like the world's strongest man. And he's like, yep, I, I definitely want to fight my dad. But when it comes to you, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny that we went into this territory because a few episodes back, there was a, a little segue about, and I don't quite remember how this fit in, but suddenly they're talking about this treasure hunter uh, who's like, seeking um, a treasure off of California in a shipwreck. And they go in this long digression about what's called a parent age versus chronological age. What they do say is that when he saw the treasure, he ejaculated and suddenly he becomes like an 80 or 90 year old man. And so I'm just laughing that that the narrative turns or inverts of what I was expecting. Because when I when I heard that, I was like, oh, is this part of this Japanese culture, which is very strong? especially like otaku culture that, that that like believes in like sex death, quote unquote. I mean, I, there's like some other terms that have been coined for it, but I've heard it just called sex death. And it means like when you have sex, like a part of you dies and you like age and lose your power. So it's interesting that like part of its coming of age story is actually the opposite. It's actually like that it, it gives them or it may, I don't know if it gives him his power, but it like makes him a man, right? It makes him like ready yeah. to fight because I was reading it. I was like, oh, are they really going there? Are they really like anti- 
uh, sex in this show because of that that weird just tangent about apparent age versus chronological yeah. age. But I love those oddball tangents. Um, I'm also watching Engato a bit, and they do it quite often as well. Whether it's like a meditation on human nature, right? I think uh, in an episode, like the police chief's talking about why he loves fighters, even though he has to like prosecute them because like they represent true man, right? And he kind of goes on like a, a Darwinian-esque riff on that. Or whether they're uh, talking about their fighting skills, right? Like uh, one guy has this like titanium floss where he cuts the guy's hand off, right? And he like quickly breaks it down. What's so awesome about Japanese anime, which is a strong motif that's not the same in most American cartoons, is they are not afraid to like almost break down the fourth wall and just do like really heavy, fun exposition dumps that I really like. Like I'd like to hear about how like this one fighter can like go five minutes without taking a breath because like the moment you take a breath is your vulnerable moment. And then like how that kind of interweaves well with another character. I believe that's the poison guy, the guy who like, you know, has like sarin and carbon monoxide and all that. But he, but his best poison is like, he creates a vacuum with his hand and deprives mm-hmm. him of oxygen. And I don't get the biology of it. I was never good in biology class. I don't even know if it's just probably <laughs> pseudoscience. It probably is, who cares? But it's fun, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good, it's good stuff. And I, I, I love those moments the most, I think. I mean, I love mm-hmm. the fighting is really, really fun. But when they punctuate it with this like off the wall, zany yeah. like i'll call it pseudoscience it, it might be real but whatever i'll just call it pseudoscience to be in the safe boat that's my favorite part i i, I just that's find that right i feel like you get that tarantino vibe too paul where he breaks away like very much like in kill bill which is very you know very japanese inspired in a lot of ways but even with the anime scene but he also jumps away exposition where he introduces everyone of uh bill's team right with the expositional voiceover of the character and why they're badass how many kills they've had how they connect to bill right and then boom back into the story right and that's also like very much like tarantino huge comic book fan it's it's a comic book dump it's that blue narrative text that is either the character or your narrator telling you in this issue this guy did this this and this and that's why this guy is scared right it's that same thing but it's so highly stylized and like just flashly done. Like you said, it feels so cool. It's such a cool break in the action. I always love when they break down those and informative. Something like you said, it's this balance of pseudoscience and like actual technique of combat. Like you mentioned like the breath one, right? Anyone who like boxes knows, you know, you got to watch your breath and like pay attention mm-hmm. to the time. That's a, like a classic. When they get to like the judo and like the touching of the of the collars and stuff like that and the way they manipulate how it was versus like technique versus strength and all that great breakdowns of like actual like combat knowledge but with the mysticism that's so well done within the anime world like we're so over the top with the physical bodies are just like explainable but not explainable which i like how they do they present to you with this crazy feature and it's broken down but still stands and then they go like you said to that that dump and it just makes it so fun like you're so intrigued like because like everyone gets cooler and cooler and you're introduced at a pretty high standard where the dude just to give our audience a sense if you haven't seen it, the first badass we see shoots a hole in his cheek and keeps fighting right and laughs it off right it's just a great scene and like it only gets better from there but yeah it really has to do again with that like you said that fun expositional dump that's like a break in the action gives you the information you need and it's like taking a breath in the fight and like going back into it they do it so well with this particular anime going back to more of the visuals and i want to bring matt in on this because i am very uh, unseasoned in talking about this and i don't know much but i did see what i was Proving the internet a bit of pushback and complaints on the kind of switching between like animation and 3D animation in the show. And a lot of people were like really, really going hard on like the CG models and so forth. And I was just curious if what's your opinion on that in the show and in general in this field? Because I don't know, like they're saying stuff and I really I, I don't even know what they were quite talking about to be to be blunt. 
And it's it's fair. It's, and it's crazy because I literally just had a conversation. I was just talking to the, my buddy Tom earlier today, the one that got me on the bleach. I was, we were just talking because, I mean, he's, like I said, he's, he's I call him my, my anime father. He's my anime godfather um, or my anime godparent, I guess you could say. Um, and so he uh, so I was talking to him about it because um, I was I, I just recorded an episode for my show and I thought it was kind of risque. And I was uh, it's always good to get a, a second opinion before you, you know, upload something. So I was talking to him. Um, in this specific show, I don't think that it necessarily kills the show. There, there is there is definitely a difference between that regular uh, CGS style and that pure 3D because a lot of a lot of times like when you're watching an anime, right, and especially like in this one, this is this is another reason why I love the art style that they went with in this specific show and why I think that the switching back and forth every once in a while doesn't kill the show or hurt the show is because they set up a specific style that had that is that uses that shadow that contrast that allows you to see the depth that allows you to see the size that allows you to see the the muscle in its purest form but when you go into when you're starting to animate certain fight scenes in order to catch certain angles or in order to catch certain like mechanics as an arm is flying or as certain things are happening you have to kind of switch the style because that style doesn't necessarily work like if you look at a regular picture of like Baki standing there right you can see his body you can see everything you can see his you know his chest his pecs you can see all this stuff but when I go to punch those things don't look the same. It looks like you're smaller because your your arm is coming out. It's in contrast to your body. So you end up having to switch that over to more like a CG or like a or like a 3D style in order to show how big your arm still is while you're throwing that punch. Whereas a lot of shows, um, and I, we were this is what we were talking about was there are a lot of shows that I don't like 3D animation. I can't stand it if it starts off like that. One of the shows that I absolutely love the premise of, but I can't watch because of that specific reason. Well, there's a couple of reasons, but for the specific reason why I don't like uh, the show is called Berserk. It's a really dark show. I, I love the darkness. It goes a little bit too dark, even for my taste. It's one of those shows that I could probably watch three or four episodes, and then I have to go watch like Disney or something like that to like offset because it's just so dark. But it's it's purely based off of a 3D animation style, and it's very tough to get into because I don't like that style. Like if they did it more like a like a CGI, just kind of two dimensional, but added like an extra, you know, not necessarily 3D, but like added more just depth and shadows I would it would be perfect but because they went pure 3D a lot of people don't like that I'm, I'm one of those people included I'm, I'm not a huge fan of pure 3D shows if you mix it in every once in a while I'm okay with it but if you start off like that um, I'll try to get past it just because of the plot line but it's really tough for me to get behind it and that's I think it's lazy, honestly. I think that a lot of companies and a lot of studios are starting to kind of go to it because it's easier for them because you got to think about it. When animation really started taking off, it was all flip books. You're looking at, you know, some uh, artists having to sit down and draw and draw and draw. And so now everybody's like, well, how can we cut that step by doing more of like computer animation and just doing it all on a computer and getting it out faster? And that's fine, but you're also sacrificing, you have to understand you're also sacrificing to a lot of people who are old heads in anime, a lot of people who like the anime aesthetics, you're you're kind of compromising to rush out an episode or to rush out a show. You're compromising that by going into like a 3D model. So I think as long as the show has a good balance of the two, I don't think that you lose the fan base too much. Yeah, I mean, I'm even like from like a sort of slightly outsider perspective, very pro non-3D animation. Like the scenes where you can tell it's very static. There's one, I, I just like a, a, you won't remember it probably, but there's just a scene where like they're all standing there and one guy's coat is very slowly flapping. There's not much going on at all 
or I don't know. I like the scenes where there's like a flurry of background kind of colors going on, but they're clearly like drawn. And then like the, actually the fighters are static. They're not really moving. I find those more endearing, like the analog style, the old mm-hmm. style. Then when it's just more seamless and, and kind of clean for like the modern eye, right? Because it's computer generated and it's like yeah. moving and fluid. Those just have so much more charm to them uh, just yeah. to watch. And, you know, like the purple lightning bolts and stuff. I mean, that stuff's fun too. I don't even know what that fits in the 3D or the animation. But yeah, I completely agree that it's easier for the studio. So they have to be tempted to do it, right? To just turn to computerized formats. But luckily there is a huge demand for the real blood, sweat and tears of drawing those animations. And that gives those artists and illustrators and talented geniuses a job as well, right? That That's another plus is like these individuals would become very quickly obsolescent if, if there wasn't the demand because it's just so much probably cheaper to do the, the 3D models. So I, I think that's one of the more interesting conversations in the whole genre right now is, you know, how they're adapting, how they're integrating these new technologies without sacrificing the essence of what they are. And, you know, they're all based on manga. They're all based on comics, basically. So it's tough when you watch a show, there's like this expectation. There's just kind of like this mindset of like, this is what I'm watching and I'm watching it specifically for this reason. You know what I mean? And, and, but you have to understand that the other side of it is that that also means that you're going to get shorter shows because it's going to take so much time, you know, to draw those out. Like that's why you're getting these 13, you're getting more anime that are coming out now that are more of your 13 to maybe you get a 24, 26 every once in a while. But for the most part, the only ones that you're getting out now are like that 12 to 13. They're right in that sweet spot, like 12, 13, maybe 15 sometimes. The days of like those long shows, that's why they're they're slowly coming to an end. Like that's why I commend One Piece for doing what they're doing right now at 10, you know, thousand plus episodes. Because at the end of the day, like the more of your shows now are running that 50 and then that's the show. You know what I mean? They're like, hey, you know what? We gave you four seasons, 12 episodes a piece. That's enough. You know what I mean? Like that's all we can give you right now because we got to move on to other other projects and things like that. And a lot of new studios are doing big shows back to back to back. So I can't take the time to give you 500 episodes over here and then make another 500 episode show. I, I can't do it. So I think that's why we're running into a place where we're doing a lot of shorter shows, which are cool. But then because of studios being being overbooked and oversaturated because they're doing so many shows and they have to do it the exact same way. Now you're having to wait two, three years to get season two for that show. Go back to my previous point. I think that's why Netflix is slowly but surely starting to understand and kind of kill the game because they're using Western adaptations. So they don't have to use, they don't have to take the time to kind of draw it out the way that, you know, they do. And the 3D aspect that they're kind of incorporating into it, they're not fully making the show like that. So they're like, hey, we can afford to do the show. We'll do it all up front. Here's 60 episodes of the show. It's all done already. Just go binge it whenever you want to versus majority of the actual shows that are like pure anime. They're having to go still week to week, even though they produced it. I, will, I can't give you all this right now because if I do, you're going to be pissed because you're going to have to wait four years before yeah. you get season two. So I can I got to roll this out week by week, you know? Yeah, no, that's another interesting angle too, right? And we see that throughout any series, right? How short-term and impatient 
you know, the producers and studios behind these shows are, which is a little odd to me because like the Simpsons or, you know, like the shows that stay around forever, they end up getting like such a solid fan base, like even South Park that like, I don't know, they're just your like cash cow by a certain point. Like they're your safe, your safety net. And I don't get why like Netflix will jump the boat on. I love BoJack, for example. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like BoJack was really just getting hot. Like it was going to be a great source of like pulling in a very specific demographic to their platform again and again and again and everyone on the show wanted to keep going and they just pulled the plug on it and it just seems very very bizarre to me at least because they wanted to go with that direction of using big head as a next temple speaking of what matt said comedy and it kind of worked like i like i love bojack really good show but i kind of went down the rabbit hole now on big head and that universe and they have a side show with that one which i thought would be with like you said bojack i thought bojack would get like a side piece or a tie-in spin- spin-off or whatever but i think it's like that consumption of content they just want to get something and it works with bojack because bojack has that somber seriousness to it as well and it's something that is like both funny and something you can meditate on as well um which is unique for like for comedy like you mentioned the temple comedy it's not south park it's not simpsons it's not ugly americans which it looks like when you first see it it's something else right it's, it's a little more of a, of a character drama in there but when you say where you get with like big, the the big head series it's more of a raunchy south park-esque tone but it's fit actually more of a coming of age set really for teenagers uh that one so it's really interesting the way they're working with it like i've seen like like you mentioned like netflix is changing the game of comedy like they're doing interesting things with animation like animation and comedy aside with uh with anime as well oh uh, and bringing it back to baki real quick one of the things that i kept running into too while i've been researching anime is like everyone wants to rate fight scenes and i don't want to rate all the <laughs> fight scenes, right it's super hard um but i'm just wondering does anyone have a specific fight scene in this series that uh, truly sticks out to you I, I as you think i i, I mean i'll put i put you on the spot a lot both both of you uh, today so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to start with mine uh, i really like the one at the park where we re- first are introduced to baki's girlfriend and we have the like flashback where he kisses her right before the event you mm-hmm. know when she's complaining like how can you do this when like your family <laughs> members have to deal with death and then we have like a really nice back and forth where like he holds her hand, but he's too strong. So it hurts her. And then she holds his hand and then they, they kiss again. And then like the fight happens above them, which I love. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just love that like kind of comedy that kind of like there's like this romance and this fight going on and they're oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. And then the fight's brutal and the guy gets like his cheeks blown out. So he's oh, yeah. like grinning. I mean, I just like I all the dynamics were there for that one. There was like some comedy in it. I don't know. I, I, it was like a screwball comedy to me where they have that um, situational irony and where some people don't know what's going on, but you do. And I, I found that very humorous. So what about both of you? Like what fight scenes did you absolutely love from this show? Well, you mentioned that one I did like. I actually like the part where you get into like the crazy technique where he does a flurry of punches and he explains like how he's just waiting for the right breath and he cracks him in the face. I love, I love the beat down of the character, how you see him enduring. And like, I love his uh, reveal when he rips off his shirt and he just has that massive ass tattoo. And it tells a story of how he wanted to get the actual scars on his tattoo by just going and dummying some fo- Like, again, it was, the whole, that fight scene, I like how, how long it was. I like the, the whole beat down of the body that you get very much, like I said, very Mortal Kombat ass. I love how they do that. It's like that you can beat up the body to any degree and everyone keeps coming. It's like playing that video game where it's like, you just want to see the blood, see the person get hurt. And you want to see the retali- like the retaliation. I really like that one. I love the one where he loses his hand, but then still like punches him with a stump. Uh, that one was like, mm-hmm. it reminded me of Kill Bill. 
Is that the that the first the first fight you're talking about? That's I, I was looking it up because I wanted to make sure that was uh, Hanayama and uh, Speck, right? Yeah, that's what you were talking about when they were fighting in the uh, when they were fighting in a in the park or whatever. He was the uh, the yakuza. He was like a former yakuza boss or yeah. whatever. He's like guy. the only like street fighter on their team, pretty much, right? He's the only one who's like down to kill people in a fight, basically. Which yeah. I like. I like the dynamic because I like the way he just dropped in there too. Because yeah, everyone else got a really cool introduction that was like an episode, and his was just all visual. It's just like. He, he's like the character he's on the character of a video game screen i gotta pick that guy yeah i yeah. love that i love that one i love the move when he moves the gun and like it shoots through the cheek that was just very textbook like like fight club kind of rhyme me up uh, i love that scene that was, i love that like that was really again really cheeky that one i like how, how much there was like a lot of like gamesmanship between the two combatants in that one too i can't think of because you, you you guys are talking about some really good fights i i can't think of a fight that just was like uh like at least in this one, only because, and again, this is because I'm biased because obviously I've watched pretty much all of it. So I'm caught up on like some of the newer stuff. But I mean, there is a there is a fight, and I guess this is obviously a precursor. But there is a fight long, 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 long like in the son of uh, Ogre. So if you guys you know get that far, if you continue to watch and get that far, but there's a really good fight between Biscuit Oliver, and I know I talk a lot about him, but I love Biscuit Oliver's character, He's a giant Cuban dude, right? Yeah, yeah, I, and it's crazy. And I, I made the joke about my, I made the joke on, on my show when I was talking about this. It's crazy to see such a big character that you call such a flaky, you know piece of food like a biscuit you just think about a biscuit i could just make you have but he's so big you know mm-hmm. but um i would say i mean there's a fight between baki and biscuit which was really good like i said it comes up in son of um ogre um i remember that fight because that was a really good fight because that was the first time we really saw ogre you know kind of step into the ring um because obviously at this point again no one has ever no one ever sat down and was like hey we got to watch ogre fight to figure out how strong ogre is compared to everybody else it was like hey you're ogre's boy i know you you know what i'm saying like i want to beat you because if i can beat you then i know how close i am to beating your dad he was the pinnacle he was the peak of you know strength and so to see that fight happen and this little old frail man kind of step into the ring and he's like, you know, I'm old and I realize that I, I'm only going to be able to do so much because I know I'm not going to I know I'm not going to beat you. But I know I'm only able to do so much real quick that I can potentially, you know, knock you out because I got a little bit of, you know, some technique and things like that. You know, you see Ogre bleed and I'm like, oh, snap. So, you know, this power level is not as crazy as it is. And obviously, as the fight goes on, you start to realize real quick that like ogre was like okay you you surprise surprise you caught me off guard i thought you were just an old man and i was trying to take it easy on you but now you know you're actually going to be able to see my you know my actual technique and to see just that take like that demon back technique that he used where like that bull like on his back it just kind of sweat i'm like i feel bad for you you know like you <laughs> stepped in the room with the wrong one but it's just so i think that that fight kind of sticks out just because I think they do a really good job of this one, Baki Hanma or the Son of Ogre. None of these fights are just severely one-sided. Um, even, like you said, some of the, the poison guy versus martial arts or the, the street fighter versus the you know a wrestler or whatever, they still match up really well from a technique standpoint. And that's the thing that I think that, that they did a really good job of because if it wasn't, everybody would be bored. If it was just one OP character versus another weak character, you'd be bored of this show. I mean, uh, I love when they fight and have like a breakdown on the side. 
And I just remembered another one that I absolutely love the dentist one when he's talking about like how the stronger the man, like the more they wear down their molars in their mouth. Oh, yeah. That makes it so much fun for me. And there was another really weird one where like the Statue of Liberty was falling apart in sort of. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Was, was that like in synchronicity with the fight? Was there like yeah. some like quantum entanglement going on there yeah. as well? Yeah. They were saying um, basically like the shock waves, the shock waves from them fighting could be felt around the world. And that was, that was like, that was when they were talking about the beacon. There's also showing the technique of like, that was the one where they're showing like the rock technique, how they shape the rocks. There's one fighter who hadn't done it and it was showing him like doing it to the Statue of Liberty essentially. They're all like fist marks mm-hmm. on there. So he'd been like, it was like secret, like synchronicity, like that, like that one episode, which I thought was really cool. Like you said, yeah. with them tying it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they tie that up really well because, you know, in that, that episode, right? They're talking about how like the formaldehyde, like, gelatinized in the vats right in the like wooden mm-hmm. crates and like from that moment i think it was like a storm right yeah. they got to like their destination I, they were like sailing through the biscay bay i somehow remember that detail uh. um and when they got there like everything had kind of jellified and then not only those vats but like across the world they had all and mm-hmm. I, that's a good setup it's a good way to like bring that motif in of like these fighters sending shockwaves uh. that have the ripples throughout you know the whole planet i like that a lot that's it's good screenwriting or yeah, it's, I'll call it screenwriting, even though it's yeah, not definitely. like a screenplay per se. So I also read like that there, you mentioned a few, right? You've mentioned one piece and so forth, but like, this is definitely part of a subgenre of these like anime fighting ones, right? Like everyone kept mentioning Devilman, Crybaby, Attack on Titan, Deadman Wonderland, Demon Slayer, Hunter times Hunter. Uh, is there any other fighting shows that like you think are the shit? Um, besides like the ones you've already mentioned. So there's uh, Megalobox, which I was just talking to, like I said, Tom about earlier, because we were talking, they, they finally put season two on Crunchyroll. Megalobox is another good one. Um, it follows um, basically fighters who wear like this uh, external kind of gear. So basically the world has advanced so far that they use this external gear to actually box with and fight with. Um, and it follows uh, the main character is Gearless Joe. He refuses to wear a gear. He's one of the few people that's like, if I'm going to fight, I want to actually fight with just my, you know, my fist, my bare fist. I don't care what you use, but I'm going to use my bare fist. Um, that's a really good one. Season two is really good. It's called Nomad. But Megalobox is the first season. That's a really good fighter. Like I said, Baki's really good. Um, Hajino Ippo, it's pure boxing. Like, we're not talking superpowers. We're not talking super strength. It's just... I'm working out. I've worked my body out enough. And we're following an actual kid who was a boxer who has a passion for boxing on his path to become the world champion. I think that one had like a hundred and a hundred episodes or something like that, maybe or something. So I, that was a really good one. I watched that one um, almost through its entirety. Uh, I'm trying to think, am I, am I missing another one? Megalobox, Hajino Ippo, Baki. One that I've also mentioned already, I think too, that I'm really into as a novice is Nengato. I really think that it actually kind of makes a cool companion piece, maybe because I'm seeing everything in broad strokes and generalizations because I'm not so familiar. So I'm not noticing like the super nuanced differences, but yeah. like it also loves to like break down and do like detailed dorky analyses of like fights, which I absolutely love. As I've said a bunch of times, like they'll go like on deep dives about like the rotation speed of the punches and stuff like that. And I mean, there's also a really cool fight club element to that one where it's basically like the story is like kind of this balky like figure who's like this kind of quasi innocent somehow, but like killer machine, you know, and he has uh, like his concierge, I'll call him like his corporate concierge. who's this like timid pansy. He's this like civilized guy. He's like 
scared of everything. And so it has this really cool duality of like the, the salary man, right? The Japanese salary man who's like scared to death of like any primal aspect of himself and like the most feral dude possible who like eats raw meat. And I love that kind of fight club duality for that one. So uh, did you think of anything else while I was talking about that or should we? Um, yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, you did buy me some time. So thank you. JoJo's is like that. I, I, I don't know why I wasn't even thinking about it. JoJo's is like that. I was thinking JoJo's is not physically fighting. They use stands, which are like kind of projections that of their spirit, I guess you could say, that are kind of behind them that actually you do the fighting for them. So I was that's why I didn't necessarily immediately pop into my head when it comes to fighting, but I guess it's very similar. So JoJo's is a good one. And like a Yu Yu Hakusho, uh, that's another one that fits. It's not the fighting for, again, it didn't necessarily pop into my head because I'm thinking fist fighting, but that one has a, has a spirit aspect of it because that's what they use is like their spirit power. So it, it allows them to kind of draw on like their natural force. And one thing that I think that you would really like about that one, Paul, if you got into that show, um, because I know that you like, you like nerding out on the small details and stuff like that too, but there are a lot of characters who at their breaking point end up using their life force. Essentially sets it up as like your spirit has like this, it has a ball, right? But you know, your life force is infinite because I mean, you know, it's going to, it's going to be as long as you're going to be alive. But as you use one and you just dissipate your spirit, now you are slowly but surely drawing down the aura that is your life force energy to make that one smaller as well your your spirit force can fill back up to this balloon again but that life force is never going to come back to where it was before by you using it a uh, very interesting like i said uh totality and very much interesting concept there so that sounds really cool kind of sounds like a yin and yang almost like spiritual zen out kind of subtext there that sounds really interesting and jordan how about you is there anything i mean i know you love like street fighter and mortal Kombat in those um, yeah i'm more to like the fighting video games i realize in terms of like anime i'm not like can't think of like you name most of the ones I'm, I've heard of, but other than like DBZ and stuff like that, nothing really tournament based or like, like you said, like fighting based off the top of my head. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I could just read that you would love them all. Right. But it's just like, <laughs> it's what, what you've seen thus far. All right. So, I mean, we could tackle this because there's so many, as you said, Matt, there's like so many episodes, uh, which is awesome. Right. You can like become a scholar on these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking like, uh, there's a funny podcast where they break down the, the, the movie heat minute by minute. I mean, what if someone tried to break down like that thousand minute series minute by minute, that would be hilarious. Just like the most postmodern <laughs> deconstruction ever, but to wrap things up, we always do our underdog overrated binary. And so it's our last chance to throw our thoughts out there of why we love this show and think it's an underdog that we're worth fighting for or why we think it's a little overrated and kind of just want to move on to the next thing. You know, it's kind of the same as like stream it or skip it, which is like the clickbait duality out there. So Jordan, I'll actually throw it to you first. Overrated underdog. Where does this fit for you? Oh, this is these one. I think you already know from my tone of this one. This one's an underdog, just because, like I said, uh, when I was, I went in not with a lot of high expectations, but like that first episode hit me where I was like, I was, I was down to binges. This is my late night go-to binge one for this last week, and I've enjoyed it, and I'll probably keep watching this one. I think I want to finish it. I felt, felt like I, I want to get to the end. I, I'm, I'm liking the way they're dropping in characters. I love, I just love the exaggeration of everything too. I'm a big fan of just exaggerated violence, exaggerated storytelling, like the idea of the body being broken down and getting back up in every episode. I love the way they, they make it fresh though, like I said. And you mentioned earlier, Matt, the idea of like, 
there is no OP character. And I like the way they make everyone seem like they're all kind of like OP to some degree. And they can all turn the fight at any moment. So as a viewer, I'm like, you're always waiting for that kind of like that hook and that bait and switch kind of thing going on. And I, I'm liking it. Even when I'm in season two, uh, you're still at the edge of your edge of your seat, even though, like I said, you feel like the lessons are being handed down. The lessons are being learned, but you feel like they're not going to learn the lesson. I'm appreciating it. So yeah, this is an underdog for me. Cool. How about you, Matt? I'd say it's an underdog um, in a situation because to your point, like based off of that list and just just purely based off of the list that you read just a second ago, like it wasn't even on that list. I don't think that a lot of people and this is, again, one of those shows that I don't think that a lot of people give credit to and give like love for because it's on Netflix. If this was, you know, if this was on Funimation or if this was on Crunchyroll or this was anywhere else and like it was more of like a week to week or like it was something that was thrust into the public's eye, you know what I'm saying? Like I think that people would be like, oh yeah, like Baki's a really good show. But, you know, I, I, I would say it's an underdog just because like I said, people don't, you know, know enough about it. People don't go to it. It's not a go-to on Netflix, I would say. Um, so that's why, I, like I said, I think that it's, I think there's more of an underdog for me. Yeah, same. And I mean, I'm not even that immersed in the culture. And I kind of sense that vibe on it that like people were out to to shit on this just because it was affiliated with Netflix. And it was reminding me a lot of I mean, I have no or dog in this match either. But the Morbius kind of thing this weekend, where I have some friends who are like, yo, everyone's just shitting on this just to shit on it. Like, it's not that good. But it's not as bad as y'all are saying, like, and I, co- I totally believe them. you know, like they 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 get the screeners, they go to the early showings, because they have those critic press stuff. And the same with this, like, I mean, I was just reading, you know, like, the IMDB reviews and some of the Google reviews. And it was like, come on, I was really my eyes. And I don't even you know, know these people, but I could just mm-hmm. tell from the second that they wanted to nitpick everything that they would like in another series because it was Netflix mm-hmm. and you, you could just read between the lines. It was all there. So for that reason, I want to definitely call this the underdog because, you know, I, I think it's well-written. It has all those really fun parts that I like about Japanese anime. Those, you know, those tangents, it has like a good mixture of fighting and pseudoscience it has low-key but like romance love story going on but but best of all like it has character like there's character to all of the villains Mm. and there's a self-aware absurdity to it all that's that's super fun like you know the amount of times that like dude's necks get like snapped essentially snapped and impaled and like gushing out blood is is really fun or like the guy who gets his like whole face carved in like various <laughs> formats and like it's wearing a bandage in a hilarious way oh, yeah. there's a lot of humor in this show it, so it's not taking itself too seriously by any stretch of the imagination i think it knows that it's slightly preposterous right like <laughs> it that's kind of an understatement but for the best reason like it's a fucking like fighting anime for like fun like yeah. it starts off with five dudes escaping uh, electric chairs and and shit like, <laughs> they're not going like a like a sealed in a sealed in glass cage like oh yeah the missile silo yeah the dude climbed up the missile silo straight up like the like soft walls climbed up and then used it later in a fight like it was a fucking technique like i love that one yeah i love that and i think they said that literally what he was getting his um grasp on was like the scratches from before like the tiniest <laughs> indent that's cool that's a cool detail oh, yeah going back one more time to that first episode like with that very first scene when they're in the classroom and everyone starts shivering though this is still an anomaly to me i watched like three or four times it's very mm-hmm. enigmatic why is everyone shivering and baki's not like everyone starts freaking out i'm like is it because of baki's like prowess is it is that the moment of synchronicity Do you, is there any reading that you two have of this i can't i was life reading it uh, i was reading it as like because the next scene you see him with the red eyes seems to be the indicator of all of them are real fighters not quote unquote street thugs Right. And that's always indicated by the eye with the red and that creates the fear around him is what I was getting out of that. 
because anytime you see them fight with someone else who's in the same skill level, they all have the same like red in their eye, right? That's the the fighting stare. It's supposed to be like the, the thousand mile stare, right? Kind of like like Rambo. But um, yeah, that's what I was getting out of it because I feel like you, you see him using on the weaker kids, and you see the other competitors kind of not necessarily use it on him, but you see how he doesn't make them scared, right? That's that was my initial reading. I think I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of that, but I think there's one thing that anime does a really good job of, especially when it comes to like powers and like power scaling and things like that is that retsu or like that spirit like the awareness like that spiritual pressure like if you can't if you feel it and it scares you you're clearly not strong enough because like to your point like when baki fights other people when other people are fighting each other there's no fear there they're like okay all right it's me and you like it's it's only the two of us like if anybody else walked by right now they would probably run for the hills because they feel the pressure that we're you know that spark that we're that we're flying between our that's flying between our eyes perfect both those readings completely cleared everything up for me and yeah i see it now right because he's sleeping through it right he's totally nonchalant like unperturbed by this you know that's not going to mess with him his equilibrium at all right but everyone else who's just a, a peasant a, a, a civilian right is, yeah. is going to be quivering in their boots that's great this has been awesome matt and we always ask our first time guests i mean we've asked you a lot of questions to put you on the spot countless times today but one more time i know you're also a football coach is that correct yeah uh, youth football coach perfect so you know we are a sports-based podcast so this is one of our Biggest leaps, I think, because like, yes, there's a tournament and it's fighting, but you know, it wasn't as formal as some of these other like fighting narratives. Mm -hmm. So yes, we're still a sports-based movie podcast and I'll stick by this. This is definitely a competition at the end of the day, this show. Um, But I'm curious in all of sports and actually kind of moving away from anime, what's your favorite, let's just do three. And if you only want to do one, that's fine as well. Sports movies of all time in any kind of field. Remember the Titans, because I'm a football coach, so got to go remember the Titans. That's an easy one. It's a little hanging fruit. Uh, the Longest Yard, I mean, for obvious reasons, again, more football, but more but funny, too. You know, it's, it's a good one. And probably, I was going to say Coach Carter, because I do love Coach Carter, but just to, just to lighten the mood a little bit, I'll go Mighty Ducks, the series and stuff like that. Like, I've, I, I recently sat down as an adult and watched – Number three. I don't think that I had watched number three as a kid. And so I saw it on like Disney one day and I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch the first one. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch the second one because it's there. And I was like, hold on, there's a third one. And I was like, I didn't even know there was a third one. And I sat down, I watched that one. And I was like, well, what is this? No one told me about this before. But I think at that point it was like, you know, they advertised the first one and then they kind of talked about the second one and they were like, okay, well, the third one is there, but no yep. one. We don't really talk about it. It's like Bruno. We don't talk about that. <laughs> That's so true. The third one was only like loved by hockey kids. Like, like there's yeah. only like kids on rollerblades like the third one. The kid, the kids that do this every day, they're the ones who love the third one. They were like, you know what? The third one's the best one. I'm like, I only saw the first two. I didn't even know. So I would, I would say those three. Coach Carter gets in, gets obviously an honorable mention because I was going to say it, but yeah, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Mighty Ducks instead of Coach Carter. Good call, good call. Coach Carter's great too, but we love Mighty Ducks. It was like our third episode, and then we did two and three for like our fourth episode. And yeah, the third one is very much overlooked by everyone, and it's fun. It's silly. It's like filled with shenanigans and pranks. Like it reminds me of like Revenge of the Nerds. Well, awesome. Uh, it's been a, it's been a great discussion. Uh, we tackled a lot of territory and thanks so much for coming on, Matt. And I want you to get a chance to plug yourself. Where can our listeners find you and, and take a deep dive into your world of anime expertise? Appreciate it. Um, like I said, first of all, guys, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, 
I'm more active on Twitter than I am on Instagram just by association. I feel like Twitter is a lot easier to handle and it's more interactive, but um, I'm more active on Twitter, but you can find me on both of those social media handles at anime talk 12. Um, it's anime talk together. And then the number 12 afterwards. Um, but on my show, like I said, I, I do this all the time. I talk pretty much anime 24, seven, 365. season four is actually wrapping up. So as of tonight, episode drops at midnight. That'll be 80 episodes for my show, so I'm excited about that. Um, and like I said, that'll be the end of season four. So I'll be offline for like three weeks, which is always good to just kind of get detox time. And then I'm, all, but during that time, I'm watching a lot of anime, just trying to put some new content together for the next season. So um, it doesn't stop. But yeah, you can find me, like I said, uh, anywhere that you guys listen to a podcast. So Apple, Spotify, Google anywhere that you get it stitcher iHeartRadio, all those places um you can find me um, it's anime talk with an exclamation point um so space so anime space talk with an exclamation point at the end purple background that's how you know you found me it's out there i added you on my spotify list so i got it going i need to do the exact same for you guys because i like i said i'm, I'm excited and, I, and there's always stuff on on people's on people's shows that you can resonate with, even though it's not necessarily something that you like. Like you said, uh, you guys aren't huge, huge anime people, but the simple fact that you guys could, you know, take out the time and watch some shows that I recommended is dope. And I want to make sure I, I pay that favor for it. So I definitely want to listen to a couple of you guys' things and, you know what I'm saying, try to figure out if I can come back on or if I can have you guys on my show. Awesome, man. We appreciate that. And of course, man, we're going to have to have you back. You, we're going down the anime loophole. We're going to make our way back to all sorts of sports ones. We'll definitely have a place for you on this podcast to join us and, you know, rap sports and whatnot. So <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Likewise, an anime talk. Awesome. All right, everyone. Uh, that's it for us. Remember to like, chirp, do all that fun stuff. Just interact with us if you can. Um, if you're listening to this, you have found us. Share it with friends. Give us a review. You know the you know the whole ordeal. We're, we're on our uh, knees begging for you to just give us a little love. I'm just kidding. Do whatever the hell you want. All right. I hate this part. Anyways, peace. Right. Later, everyone. Bye. <laughs>